0: Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, team. Our kids can head back to be with Redemption Kids. You can have a seat. And I want to invite my good friend, Stephen Mook, to come up here with me. And I uh, just want to introduce him to you, Redemption Hill. So uh, I've been giving you a heads up for a couple of weeks that uh, one of my good friends uh, from Rhode Island was going to come and share God's word with us today. And uh, what you need to know about this man. Um, the, the, the heart that God has placed in him uh, just so deeply resonates with my heart that uh, our friendship goes beyond uh, just the kind of normal, you know, kind of interactions and encouragement. There's something deep uh, about what, what God is doing in, in our churches, in this, not just, just Boston or South County, Rhode Island, but, but New England, that as we want to see churches started all over greater Boston— uh, that's the heart of this man. That's the vision of this man and their church. And so it's incredibly generous for him to come today uh, to take time away from his church. And they're in a, in a very intense season. The God's opening up some doors for them to even step into a new property. So if there was ever a Sunday he shouldn't miss, this was probably one of those. And it just shows the, the, the value uh, of, of his, his kingdom heart. And how he wants to see God move right here, even in Medford, in greater Boston. So uh, when, when the Bible says that there was a man named Stephen, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, wow, this is true of this man as well, Stephen Monk. So let me, let me pray for him, but let me, let me also pray for you. Because this is a moment that it's not like, hey, Tanner's friend is here and he's preaching. But every time we open God's book, it's an opportunity for us to hear from God. And God wants to speak to every heart, every heart in this room. And He wants us to respond appropriately. So let's pray and ask God to do that. Father, thank you. Thank you for these moments, Father. Thank you for your heart to speak to us, to change us, to bring your change, not just to a few people, but to a city, to a region. And so, God, we pray that today would be another moment to the greater moments of you awakening and reviving your church and people all over New England. So God, we pray that we would receive, God, for for me, for everyone, Lord, that we would receive what you want us to receive from your word. God, we pray that you would empower this man to speak in power what you've laid on his heart
1: from your word we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 So, uh you guys can feel free to talk back to me. You can feel free to 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 get a little bit loud. I'm so glad that this is a church where both extroverts and introverts are welcome. Amen. So, it's important, right? We often say if we can get passionate about our favorite sports teams, we can get a little passionate, and we can get a little loud about the king of kings, Jesus. All right? Is that good? Is that all right? Hey, this is, hey, this is, not, about, this is not about a specific denomination. It's not about a style. I pray especially for the, the, the religious in this room that you would have a posture of humility today to receive from the word of God. I didn't leave my babies. I got two beautiful, Jacob Lyle and Finley Rose. Ought to be five and two. Beautiful bride, Lindsay. 18 years we've been together. Some of you thinking, how 18? You look like you're 21. It's true. She's my high school sweetheart. Right after the Lord saved me when I was 16 years old, I was a zealous rebel for the world. God grabbed a hold of me, filled me with the Holy Spirit. I then got to switch Spanish classes because I failed Spanish twice. I Don't judge me. I'm telling you, don't judge me right now. I sat behind her in Spanish class. I didn't know many Spanish words, but I knew one, bonita. That means beautiful. And here's what you need to know. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. Okay, and so what we did, young people, and here's a little bit of advice, all right, if you have a girl that you like, okay, only if they love Jesus, but here's what you do. Okay, you write a note once in a while. You switch it up. You put down the phone, and you take out a pen. You know what a pen is? Take, you, and you guys write notes today, by the way? Write notes. Um, so you take out the pen, and you write a little note, and I said, I know who I like. Who do you like? Love, secret admirer. Boom! 18 years, she's still with me. Yeah, you can clap for that. And clap for that. Because at the end of the day, no matter the spotlight or the stage, I will ultimately be measured by how I love my bride. And you men out here, I just want to tell you right now for the days, before, for the days ahead, don't even look at the, I mean, look at all of Ephesians 5, but specifically do all that you can by God's grace, especially you men. To Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Just spend all your energy on that, and then just this, this allow the other verses just to happen, okay? That's just an inside for you guys. Love your brides, and I'm so blessed. I'm a son of a pastor. His name's Lyle. My son is Jacob Lyle, and we're carrying on the gospel tradition. We're not here to advance our name or our last name. We're here to advance the kingdom of Jesus. I just actually found out that my dad, when he came here from Pennsylvania uh, in Rhode Island, I'm from Rhode Island, and I, I was, uh, I'm blessed to be able to, to help lead and pioneer a church called Generation Church in South County, Rhode Island. Uh, I actually get to preach on Sunday mornings in the same high school where my guidance counselor once said that he would read about me in the police beat and now we like to just talk back to the devil and remind him that everything you meant for evil, God is doing for good, and he's redeeming people, and he's awakening youth, amen? My dad, when he came from Pennsylvania 40-plus years ago, he came first-generation Christian to plant the gospel with the Navigators at the University of Rhode Island. I just found out, though, that a key summer when he first moved from Pennsylvania I didn't even tell uh, this to Tanner. Uh, He spent a summer in Medford at Tufts University doing gospel ministry there. And it just overwhelmed me to think about that we are a part of a larger kingdom and movement, the Jesus movement. You know that there's one larger church and one kingdom And there's one pastor overall, and it's Jesus. And I just am in awe of what God has done way before us here in New England and how He's leading us way into the future because the best days are ahead in Jesus' name. I wanna just honor as I honor my dad and my mom, first generation Christians, and pointing me to Jesus and my beautiful bride and family. And I'm just praying for Generation Church today as they meet and for churches all over New England today. Isn't it amazing to think that right now there are churches? all over new england and this nation that are gathering in the name of jesus you know that when we sing those songs like unstoppable god like like you, like we really believe it like nothing is impossible with god but before i dive into the text because you're here to hear from god's word i just want to honor tanner marsha and his family can we just honor them with a clap can we honor them and, and I honor the other pastors, the other leaders, the elders, the vol- servants. Hey, can we just give an honor for the people, hey wait, before you clap, for the people who came here really early to serve, to open up the doors, to get this high school ready. I just wanna honor all of you, thank you. Can we give them a clap and honor them? Hey, we need, we need to reclaim honor in the church of Jesus Christ. As we honor people, We honor Jesus. It's so important. I want to encourage you as I've spent time. I was here, uh, I believe it was, yeah, on Wednesday in Medford, and I got to spend some time praying um, here for this city and praying with uh, the Turleys and their family. God is doing something very special here. He's doing something very special in Medford, and specifically at Redemption Hill I was there this morning uh, as they kind of had an inauguration of prayer because God is not just building prayer teams and specific praying people, but he's building a culture of prayer here at Redemption Hill. I want to encourage you to just come to that uh, as as much as you can at nine o'clock. And if you need to come only for a few minutes, come to that. Hey, God is looking for praying churches. His house will be a house of prayer. That's not for the extra special, zealous religious people of a specific supernatural denomination. It's called, if you're filled with the Spirit, we pray because we can do nothing without Jesus. So God has given uh, me your word today for you guys. And it's going to be in Joshua 5, verse 13 to 15. The title of this message is, revived to see revival, revived to see revival, and if you are brand new to church, I just want to say right now, if already this is kind of way over your head, and you're thinking what's going on with the band, and I mean, praise God for the band, the worship team, can we give them some love, thank you God for them, thank you God that you're making a singing church here. I love it. I tell my team all the time, I sing so loud. I might not be on the stage singing because of my voice, but God loves my voice, and I get to sing loudly. I just love that God, there's a singing church. Love hearing the voices of people. Revive to see revival. This is a vision that God gave me when I was up at Gordon-Conwell Seminary there. I never finished, so don't worry. I'm qualified. And it it was a a real vision that God gave me there in that season. Uh, it was a season where I went through a spiritual drought. Like I said, I was like a product of uh, evangelicalism. I grew up uh, in in the church and seen every single measurable wave and every single you know. The, everything, I, I saw so much for so many years, the good, the bad, the ugly, once in a while beautiful, um, but just seen a lot growing up. I'm so thankful, like I said, to have a, a, a faithful pastor uh, as, as my dad, uh, who's the real deal behind the scenes, uh, who's the real deal when nobody's looking. But it, it was a season, I actually just got married, and I went through um, a drought spiritually, and I didn't realize this, but the larger story of specifically the Hebrew scriptures, but actually the all of Scripture, it's all about remembering the faithfulness of God. It's all about remembering who God is. Hey, do you know what Israel, do you know what Israel forgot about the most? They forgot the faithfulness of God. They forgot who God was. Again and again, they would see miracles, they would see wonders, they'd see signs, they'd see his faithfulness, but they would forget again, 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 and again, they would forget. It's why Jesus says when we take the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. It's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 would say, I want to just remind you what is of first importance. Remember the gospel. Remember the good news of Jesus. We see this as we're about to go into Joshua 5 and, 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 and looking at the fall of Jericho and this encounter that Joshua had with the captain of angel armies. We see that he had just brought them through to the promised land, and God literally said, you need to stop and make a memorial of stones that, yes, ultimately represent the 12 tribes of Israel and then ultimately pointing to the 12 disciples that were sent out that then would go in the coming days in the Great Commission to fulfill the mission, the promises of God. But he would say, remember, remember, stop, 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 and remember, God has done. Do we not forget all the time? And I forgot all the time. So again, as I was saying before, if you are brand new to Jesus or to church, you need to know that you're at a safe place. You're at a good place where you can come and know that we are all learning together to be centered in on Jesus. We hope that everything that comes out of Redemption Hill and this word in the days to come is the greatest extravagant news in the world. I tell this to parents all the time. Your kids will see what you're most excited about. I love, I love little league and soccer and basketball. I review videos with my son of him playing soccer and he's four, pray for me. Don't judge me. But guess what? You wanna know what's better than soccer, or basketball, or sports? It's the extravagant, awe-inspiring, marvelous, amazing good news of Jesus that God himself did not leave us to our own, but came in the form of a man to live the life we could not live and to die on the cross to reconcile us with, G- with our Father in heaven, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He conquered the grave, and now because of the resurrection hope we have, there is a hope and there is a future. Our kids need to see that. But I went through a drought when I was up at Gordon-Conwell, North Shore of Boston, and I forgot. I, I, I was, uh, and again, I know that some, some of this might be insider language, so if you're brand new, just try to track along, follow along. I, 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 I like, when I would get around people and they would talk about, you know, let's share your testimony. What's your testimony? What's your te- I was so jaded. Any jaded Christians here? No, you wouldn't raise your hand. You wouldn't want to do that. I would just, I was like so jaded and I was like, you know, let's talk about our testimony. Let's talk about our testimonies. Let's talk about, and I just, I was in, my heart was hardened. Who here knows that you can say yes to Jesus, be baptized, be a part of a church, but your heart can still be hardened to the beautiful things of God. And and I just I just remember that I just I wasn't sharing my story. I was not revived. I needed to be revived. I needed to be revived by the good news of Jesus. And I was did not know what I was doing when I started uh, marriage, as if I do now. I just want to love her well in the name of Jesus. But I was just lost. I was, my heart was hardened, I was walking around having specific debates with people about who was more right with justification, Bishop Tom Wright or John Piper, don't judge me, either one. I was walking around seminary trying to learn Greek, and all along as I was doing that with a bunch of seminarians, I realized that my heart was in a drought, and I was just not revived to the gospel, So I got around a group of people and they said, hey, why don't you share your story? Why don't you share your story? Why don't you share your story about how God saved you? And I realized that I had not shared my Jesus story in a long, long time. You know that Revelation 12, 10 to 12 says that the accuser Satan accuses the people day and night. The only way we can live in victory is what? Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know that you can make a decision to follow Jesus, but not be activating and living in the victory of Jesus. So I I started to share my story, and the story for me, is actually one story that we're all a part of. It's not going to be the main text that I look at, but it's Ephesians 2, and it's when the Apostle Paul is reminding the people of God. He's reminding them. He says, and as for you, you were dead. He's talking to Christians. First thing you need to know, especially if you're brand new and not a follower of Jesus, is that the Apostle Paul and the Bible is often being written to Christians for them to be revived and to wake up and built up and to live out God's love mission. So he's reminding them, and as for you, you were dead in your sins in which you once walked. Following the prince and the power of the air, controlled by the lust and the passions of the flesh, and you were by nature a child of God's wrath. It's reminding them that's who you were. And then I shared the story about how when it was 2000 when I was 16 and, and I had just thrown a massive party at my house and all these people that I thought were my friends broke back into the house when my older brother kicked me out and my parents weren't there and I was extra foolish because I threw a party the night before they were coming home because who here knows that everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but some people are just extra foolish. Any extra foolish people here? Come on now. There you go. One honest person. We got one. Anybody extra foolish people in the past? We got three. We got four. Hot in the back. I'm a visual learner. So the next day I came and I saw this house that was my parents' house destroyed in destruction, With just an absolute war zone, the house was flipped upside down, holes in the wall, checks stolen, refrigerators flipped over, and I only bring this up because it was a climactic moment where I saw the chaos of my life. I finally got to a place like G.K. Chesterton when he wrote to the paper uh, in England, they asked him, G.K. Chesterton, what's the problem in the world? He wrote back, me, sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. I finally got to a place where I took responsibility. I took responsibility, right? Church, is it not time for us to take responsibility? Men, is it not time for us to maybe turn off the news and see and turn off all the problems everywhere in the world and start to look in the mirror and to take responsibility that we have fallen short of the glory of God? Take responsibility. I finally did that, and then I had a camp to go to the next week. And it was a camp that was a Jesus camp. It was open to everybody. I usually would just go there because if it wasn't for God, there was girls. Girls, girls, girls. It's true. We can be honest in church, right? Okay, good. Because you know that the world is going to be honest everywhere else. We got to be honest here. So I remember just always wanting to go to this camp. I went to this camp. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I was in the midst of a spiritual battle. I realized, just like everybody here in Medford and so on, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. Right? We see Ephesians. It starts in Ephesians 1 that Jesus is Lord over all. Before the foundations of the world, he's filled us with the Spirit, sealed us, made us, adopted us as children of God. We see that. His lordship is over all. God, through the apostle Paul in Ephesians, wants you to know. You can just follow along, track along. I'm just going to give you a lot of Bible today. Is that okay? Okay. He just wants you to know the what? The riches of the glorious inheritance, which is yours in Christ. He wants you to know the hope that you've been called to in Christ. He wants you to know the immeasurable power, the greatness of his power, which he powerfully worked within you through Christ, that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. Is it all right if I get excited? Yeah. If Terry Rozier, if Scary Terry can get excited at the garden about making a shot, you better believe I'm going to get excited about the God who saved me. And people are like, what are you, a Baptist preacher, a Pentecostal preacher, a this preacher? I'm a Jesus preacher. And this is a Jesus church. And then Ephesians 2, remembering that what? Remembering that you are now but God. Can you say but God? Oh, that's so sweet. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive so that when we take responsibility for our sin, we then realize what? Oh my goodness, there is now no condemnation in Christ because the condemnation and the judgment, the holy wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ who was innocent and righteous and through an amazing exchange then gave us his righteousness and we are now clothed in him. God, thank you. And then he reconciled us not only to God but with one another. Tearing down the dividing wall and hostility that stood not only between God, but one another. There's now one new humanity, Ephesians 2. You can look it up later. Hey, you know why the devil hates gather, this gathering? You know why? Because there's black, white, yellow, green, and everything in between. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, we were praying this morning, and I was seeing people from different nations and different colors in this city coming together because it's the heart of the gospel. Jesus, thank you, God. And then Ephesians 3, you want to know the ultimate big vision for the whole entire, like, church that exists? And this is right after he says that we now have access through the Spirit to God. Do you realize realize that we are the living temple of God? Do you realize that we carry the presence of God? How amazing is that? what they had to do to go and experience the Spirit of God in the Hebrew Scriptures and Old Testament, and now the Spirit lives within us. And then Ephesians 3, Paul said, I want you to know of the stewardship. I have been given stewardship by the grace of God. I'm the chief of all sinners, but I've been given a stewardship to what? To reach the Gentiles, the non-Jews, to reach the nations, what? What? that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Ephesians 3. You realize that as you gather right now, we are reminding the rulers and authorities that Jesus is Lord in Medford? Thank you for that hand raised up there. God's not messing around. You know, I tell Tanner, I said, we gotta learn to not take ourselves too seriously, but to take God very seriously. Like, that's not a specific denomination because we're talking about the devil. You know what I mean? This is Paul. You guys like the Bible? (laughs) You gospel-saturated people. Well, he says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Can we just thank God that Jesus is Lord and right now he is over Medford? He is over Redemption Hill. He is over your family. He is all authority and power has been given to Jesus. And then we see in Ephesians 4, as we learn to walk in humility and gentleness, you know what I mean? Because we're not only asking for the power of God, we're asking for what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 4, it says that because of the ascension, Jesus being Lord over all, because you know, it's not just Christmas and Easter the ascension, the lordship of Christ. It says in Ephesians 4, you know, some people, they love all of Ephesians, but it's like they don't know what to do with Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, he gave, through his authority, gifts to people. He gave what? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the body for the work of ministry. To equip the people, why? So they could be built up, they could speak the truth in love, they could not be tossed around by every waves of doctrine and by human cunning, but that they would speak the truth in love and be built up in Christ. We're all missionaries if you're a follower of Jesus. And then Ephesians 5, we realize not only in Ephesians 6 is the devil a liar, we realize in Ephesians 5 that the Holy Spirit is refining fire. Fire. And he cares that you not be a church that gossips. Put away foolish talk, crude joking, idolatry, and sexual immorality. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Do you know that in the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures, what stopped the people of God was not Pharaoh or the big bad enemy, but was ultimately their hearts? Their grumbling and complaining? Any grumbler or complainers here? No, don't raise your hand. Oh, and I forgot the prayer right before Ephesians 4 when he got on his knees, which is a powerful thing as a Jewish man to do before the Father and to approach him. And he prayed that what? He prayed that you would be filled and be rooted and grounded in the love, that you would know the height, the depth, the width of God's love, and that you would know this love and that God is going to do abundantly more, immeasurably more than all you could ask or think or imagine. That's what he says. So I wasn't planning to go through all of that, but I just love Ephesians so much. And that is the letter to the church. And in Ephesians 5, as it goes into Ephesians 6, as it's gospel instruction for marriages and for children, it then goes to the church to stand firm in Christ, to put on the full armor, and all of that, all of it, all of the full armor is why? To stand firm in Christ and to boldly proclaim the gospel. The church exists to boldly proclaim the lordship and saving grace and power of God. So basically what I just did was that is what God revives me to. In the first 14 verses of Ephesians one, and I remember being up there in the north shore of Boston and I would look at it and it would say, God has saved you, God has given you this redemption, what, to the praise of his glorious grace. He's done all of this to the praise of God's glory. And I'll never forget that right after that time when I was with my bride, I said, I need to go back to Rhode Island. I need to go back to Providence. And I need to see the the cross of Christ exalted. I exist now to spread the glory of God, not because a specific pastor or movement told me, but because God told me that I exist for the praise of the glory of God. To lift up the cross of Christ. And then then I was sitting on this porch in Providence, and I read this verse that radically changed my life, and it was Psalm 37, verse 4. I give this to my sister all the time. Shout out, Catherine. This is for you. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. But guess what the biggest desire of the heart is? God. And that's what I want us to look at in Joshua. Yeah, you can give God a clap for that. So here's what I want you to know, revive the sea, revival. And it was there in the North Shore of Boston and then going to Rhode Island and New England before I ever think thought about Generation Church, before God ever gave that vision and mission and just reminded me that the best days are ahead in Jesus' day, in Jesus' name. It's not doomsday in the church, it's build God's kingdom. Revive the sea, revival is now the vision for Generation Church. It's the vision. And it's the vision for my life, I believe it's the vision for the church in New England. But here's what I want you to know. Revive to see revival is not merely a vision, it's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. Revival is the heart of God. Do you believe that? That's who God is. And I want us to look at Joshua. You've heard a little bit of my story. I look forward to you getting to know the story of the leaders and, the, and, the, and the, the pastor and the church here. But here's us looking at Joshua now because I want you to see it in God's word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just anoint this word. I pray that the hearts would be open and ready to receive it. Lord God, we just thank you that we are approved, we are accepted. Lord God, in you, that you love us and that you're leading us in Jesus' name, amen. So here's Joshua 5. If you would stand with me as we read this. If you would stand. Joshua 5, verse 13. Can you say lean in? Lean in. Can you say it again? Say lean in. When Joshua was by Jericho, Joshua 5, verse 13, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, I love this, wait for it, no. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You may be seated. Hey, look to your neighbor and say, are you revived? Here's what's so amazing about Joshua. Hey, many of you guys maybe know the story, and if you don't, just listen along. The powerful story about how Joshua, this commander, he took the people of God places that Moses did not take them. He took them through the Jordan to the promised land. We see Joshua was this amazing commander of the army of the Lord. We know and we've heard the stories. And if you don't, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. He went around Jericho, the city, seven times, seven times Redemption Hill. I think it's seven years of existence. Seven times it would go around, he would go around Jericho before it fell. Do you guys know that story? You know that story? If 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 you're brand new, you missed out on that song when you sang in kids' church, The Walls of Jericho. A lot of people know this story, but what I want us to look at, and this is for every single person, can you say, This message is for me? What often happens in church is often people say, I'm so glad this message is for that person in Redemption Hill Church. This message is for that person, and oh my goodness, they're not here. And then you you spend the rest of the message thinking about the person that's not here, all the while God's saying, You're here. Are you ready? Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Here's what you need to know. We're going to talk about how God used Joshua, just as God uses us in Christ, because Jesus is the greater Joshua, to what? to see victory in Medford. Because you know, we're here to see Medford awakened and revived, and that's why I'm here. I wouldn't leave my babies in church any other reason. I'm gonna have a good lunch and coffee afterwards, but that's not why I'm here. God wants to revive and awaken Medford. We see that, but what we see in this passage is the most important principle for any church, for any leader. Here, Joshua sees who is the ultimate leader. So much talk about leadership these days in the church. Well, guess what you need to know? Jesus is the great faithful leader and he's taken back his church. So here's what he does. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and all of a sudden, Joshua is ready. Joshua would be like the ultimate church planter. He's like, like, I'm ready. I'm doing what the past generation didn't do and I'm gonna bring him into victory. He's ready to go, you know what I mean? I mean, you gotta be a little crazy to start churches. Not Tanner, but you know what I mean? you got to be a little crazy. People say it now to me. You're a little crazy. I take it as a compliment in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I say, hey, before my assignment, I know my identity. I'm loved, accepted, approved. No matter how I preach, no matter what anybody thinks, God, you love me. Thank you. But he's a little crazy. He's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pioneer. I'm ready to lead. He, you know, leaders are always ready for the next victory. You know what I mean? It's not just all that God has done and praise God for what he's done through Redemption Hill. It's like the leaders are like, I'm ready for what's next. You know what I mean? I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for the next movement. I'm ready for more people. All good things. But what we learn from Joshua is what we have to get deep in our bones. He looks up and he sees this commander of angel armies, the captain of angel armies, who many believe and we see was ultimately like the pre-incarnate. It was Jesus This was Jesus that he had an encounter with. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us and for your adversaries? You know what I love about this? Every single child of God and especially leader, they want to know, God, are you for us or are you against us, right? We know that in Christ, is God for us or against us? For us. But guess what the answer is? The answer here is, are you for us or against us? He says, no. Now, we know in the next section that he is for them. But we're learning about what does it mean to be revived first. We're learning what does it mean to be revived first. Are you for us or are you against us? He said, no. Look at this. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And guess what Joshua did? He did what everybody does when they encounter Jesus in the, in the captain of angel armies. He fell down on his face. God is a God of angel armies. Do you know that? Not just hallmark little touch by an angel. I'm talking about the God of angel armies fighting for his people. So here's what we learn right away about what, I, wanna, what I, I believe God wants to give you today as we prepare and we continue to see revival in Boston, greater Boston and in Medford and beyond throughout New England. You need to first draw a circle around yourself. Here's what that means. A evangelist, a great evangelist many years ago would go around and people ask, what is the success of your ministry? You're seeing all these souls won and people revive. He said, you know what I do? I grab a piece of chalk and I draw a circle around myself. Why? Because revival starts with who? It starts with me. It starts with us. Do you believe that? So redemption Hill, the larger church in New England. God is calling you and me in this day of his power to draw a circle around ourselves and to get on our knees before God Almighty. You need to draw a circle around yourself. You need to get your face in God's book. The biggest responsibility for you and for me is to get on our knees and to get our face in this book that I just hear and read in Joshua. It said, get off Facebook and Instagram once in a while and get your face in God. No, no, that's a different translation. Maybe that's the message remix, but you got to get your face in God's book, right? Hey, do I have any um, saints here who have been walking with the Lord for a long time? Is that true? You've got to get your face in God's book. It starts with you. It starts with us. That's what Joshua, he was a man who rose up early in the morning. He studied the law of God, and we're so thankful that the whole entire law of God, which is still for us today, but it was ultimately pointing us to the new covenant and to Jesus Christ. We see that he was in the word of God. That's why Hebrews is all about pointing us that all of the great stories and the Old Testament characters were ultimately pointing to Jesus and his kingdom. He had his face in God's book. He had his face. He was like Samuel who could hear the voice of God. And he responded with revival that started with him. Right before this, Joshua had them build a memorial of stones to remember the great power of what God had done. But Joshua was doing this, what Moses did many years before. Remember that? When he took off his shoes and he said, I'm not worthy of this. What do I tell the people? And God said, you need to tell them. You need to tell the whole world. You need to tell New England. I am who I say I am. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what's going on with the world. I care about people, but I care more than anything that my people will humble themselves and see my power and authority. Joshua, he never stopped remembering. So, hey, write this down. Don't stop remembering. Don't stop remembering his faithfulness. Don't stop remembering. Again and again and again and again. Remember how good God is. Remember his faithfulness. Another thing, this might be, this is not simplistic. It's supernatural. Yes, simple, but if you take a hold of this, you will see revival in your life and in your family that will overflow to revival in this this city and the nation and beyond. You need to get alone with God in prayer. I, I can't, you got to get alone with God in prayer. I'm telling you, God is looking for people. Hey, maybe you just need to shut off Instagram for a season. You don't need to post about it. You don't need to just get alone with God in prayer. Church, do you hear me? Not just a few leaders, all of you. We have 24-7 unlimited access with God Almighty. Do you know that I get frustrated when I'm on a plane and I want to send an email 30,000 feet in the sky and the internet service is not quick enough because now I live in a civilization and a day and a generation where I just assume that I can have access with anybody at any time, even when I'm 30,000 feet in the sky? But we can pray to our Father in the name of Jesus anytime. And people who think, I want to tell you right now, private prayer shows that you're not a product of your environment. Private prayer shows that, it, you're, that it's real. You're not there to impress anybody. It breaks my heart when I hear people say, well, I don't know if I'm as good of a prayer as so-and-so. Are you kidding? When my daughter, Finley Rose, God bless her, comes to me, and she can barely pronounce daddy, don't judge her, when she comes and she says, dada, do you know what I do? I correct her. I say, "You know what? Your prayer isn't long enough, it's not passionate enough. Uh, you need to pronounce right. Come to the pre- you know when you're in the private way there in the back, when you're private with God, you know what you get to do? You get to just be who God's created you to be and have a relationship with him. And you don't just talk, you listen. You know what Joshua did when he was before the captain of angel armies? You know what he did? He said nothing. Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? He was quiet and silent, and then you know what you do when you first encounter God? You first don't bring it to your request. You say, God, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Hey, you guys, we need to spend time with God so that you will care about the things God cares about. This is all about revived to see revival, personal revival, which is available for anyone in the good news of Jesus. When you're alone with God, when you spend time with God, you start to care about the things that God cares about. That's what we see in Joshua. He cared about the things that God cares about. He was alone with God. He learned that Jesus is the ultimate leader. So get your face in God's book. Get alone with God in prayer. Get connected in community. Get rooted in Christ. I love this story because many people, and understandably so, preach about Jericho in Joshua 6, but we see that before he did anything great for God, he first needed to remember how great God is. What does my Lord say to his servant? And guess what the commander, the captain of the angel army said? Take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. What is the biggest thing that God wants for you, Redemption Hill, and every single person here? For you to be still long enough where you are absolutely in awe of God. Hey, leaders, this is for you more than anybody. Be in awe of God. Do you know what God's doing in this day? There's so many different kind of movements and tribes and so on. Do you know that God loves everybody, but he's not impressed? He's not looking at Boston and saying, oh, well, there's there's this church. There's a new church that's coming to Boston. I won't even say their name. Awesome. Oh, there's this church. There's that church. Oh, there's that leader. Oh, I saw that person on Instagram. I saw that pastor, that church planner, that church. Guess what God's looking for? A bunch of people who say, look. Look at Jesus. He's great and powerful and mighty. He is our only hope in this day of his power. God wants you to be a part of the fire that he is starting here in Medford, church. You get to be a part of the work of God. He doesn't need you, but we get to do it with him. Is that not amazing? But for every single church, for every single pastor and leader, and I just say this, you need to know God is not impressed with what you do or your leadership or how you do it. He's impressed ultimately that you get on your knees and you remember that there is one ultimate captain, pioneer, and leader, and his name is Jesus. Revive to see revival. I got a few more minutes. Can you lean in with me? You, you tracking? You following? God wants to see revival, yes, in your life, but he wants to see it all in Medford. Lean in. Can you say lean in? Lean in right now. Every single lie and distraction of the evil one, silence in the name of Jesus. I came here on Wednesday, and I was driving, and I got lost because I always got lost and always get lost and late and so on, yeah. Yeah. And I just drove, and right as I drove off the exit, I stopped because right in the center of Medford, I saw one guy, high schooler, punching another guy, and about 30 of their friends laughing and videotaping because it potentially was gonna be the next story and the next video that would go viral. This was on Wednesday, and I stopped, and I got out the car, not because I looked threatening, (laughs) but I got out the car because I don't fear any man, we don't fear any people, it's not about people that we wrestle with, but powers and principalities. I got out of the car, and I just ran and just stopped that fight, and I just looked at the people who were cheering on the guy who was getting in the fight, and I looked, and I said, what are you doing? And then there was a couple young women who were just all of a sudden, I was thinking I needed to stand up and do a little preaching in Jesus' name. I mean, welcome to Medford. Hi, I'm Pastor Stephen. And this young lady starts saying, don't you know the time that we're living in? And there was white, Latino, black, everybody. He said, don't you know the time that we're living in and what people are saying about our generation? We can't do this. And I stood back and I said, wow, God, you are doing something in the youth in Medford. You are doing something in the youth in this nation. Amen? So here's what I want you to know. And in a moment, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to come forward, and I want to commission you as local missionaries. You know, often when we we pray for people for global missions, you know what we do? We we, we, We pray for them when they go to another country. Praise God for the global church. But it's time for us to be prayed over and to be sent back to the hospitals, to the homes, and to the schools as local missionaries. What God wants to do in Medford through Redemption Hill and any Jesus church is the sea revival to see the youth, to see the university, to see the elderly awakened. Can I just give a shout out to the elderly? You are not on the sidelines just sitting and watching with a nice little golf clap. We need you in the church of Jesus Christ. You've been filled with God. We need to know your testimonies and your stories. We don't have it together at all. We need one church, young and old. Young people, can I get an amen? What God wants to do in Medford is what we see in Jericho. The walls falling down and awakening happening all over Boston. And you might be thinking, oh, that's really nice and passionate young preacher. Oh, no, 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 no. That's why God has called me here. There is my identity and your identity, and that's that we're in Christ. Know your identity. But our assignment is this, and you can put that slide up, the greatest desire of our hearts, yes, is to know God, but it's to see Jesus made famous in New England. It's to see Jesus made famous in New England. When you get alone with God, you're in the book, private prayer, caring about the things that God cares about, you stop the car, you stop what you're doing, and you look around and you see, oh my goodness, God has not just given the church a mission, the church is the mission to advance the lordship and kingdom of Almighty God. So in a moment, I'm going to have you come on forward, those who want to be prayed for and want to be sent back out as missionaries in Medford. Do you guys know that we're living in challenging, urgent times? There's no messing around. It's not just, okay, it's church service almost done. Somebody else is coming in here. Let's go. Oh, yay, great sermon, I think, compassionate, yeah. No, it's time for us to be activated in the kingdom of God. It's time for us to go seven times if we need to, again and again and again. Is it all right if I'm moving around? Again and again and again. Why don't you stand up, church? I can't go through. Oh, door open. Why do we stand up, church? Why do we stand up? Stand up, church. In a moment, God's going to call you forward and to pray. He says again and again, seven times bless the baby. Look at that screen. Ask yourself is your heart and your passion to see awakening in New England? Is it to see Jesus made famous? Put that up. Revive to see revival is the desire of your heart to see Jesus made famous in New England. That's what God wants. God is not looking for other churches to do it. He's not looking for this or for that or the next movement. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for you guys to see a fire started in Medford. This is not just a vision. It's the heart of God. This is not just Pastor Tanner, his wife, and the other leaders. This is for all of you. I see a day where this place is going to be completely filled to overflow. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Hey, and it's not just because of church growth and it's great to fill up seats. It's because it's the heart of God. It's not okay with God that only a few people are being awakened in Medford. We thank you for what you're doing, God. But in the day of your power, you are awakening New England. You are awakening Medford. Thank you for destroying every religious spirit. Thank you for the old wineskins. They're old. The new has come, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We're willing to risk our lives. We're willing to be judged. We're willing to be misunderstood. We're willing to be offended, critiqued, all so that your name is made famous. Am I on number three or number four? I don't know. But when you are revived and you realize that Jesus is the commander of angel armies you know you do you keep walking you keep going you keep preaching you keep telling you keep praying you keep going I'm telling you right church hey parents if we can get our kids in every imaginable sport thing and educate them every imaginable way why, why don't we just see them revived and fired up for the kingdom of God If we can take him to five classes and this and that, let's see him on fire for Jesus because God's doing it in the younger generation. Lord, we keep going. You're the captain. You're the commander of angel armies. Worship team, you can get on the stage and we can start in a moment. God, we just thank you and praise you. We don't stop in Jesus' name. God is leading the church. I pray for each and every person here. The desire of their heart would be you and you alone. And then it would be to see you made famous in Medford. It is not about Bethel, Hillsong, uh, Redemption, uh, I don't know what, Village Church, this church, that church, Awesome Church. It's about one church, one kingdom. Amen? It's about you, Jesus. Lord God, thank you that you have us focused. Thank you, and you can pray with me if you agree, that there is coming a day where there will be a youth movement in Redemption Hill. There will be a youth movement in Redemption Hill. That the reason why you guys are in this high school is not just because it's a better place, though it's a great place, but because God wants to do something in the youth here. He wants to do the youth here. Thank you, God, that you are building up not critics, but prayer warriors. Thank you that you're building up prayer warriors in this day. Did I go around seven times? I don't know, but here's the thing. I want you to come forward in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to hand, hand over the mic, and I'm going to be here as long If you need to stay in your seat, if you need to come up for prayer, start playing a little bit. I want to invite anybody right now to come forward, and then you're going to look out. I'm going to invite you right now, anybody who wants to be prayed over and to be sent back out into your home, into the hospital, into the school, into the business so that you will be Monday morning witnesses of Jesus. Hey, if that's you, I want to invite you to come forward right now. Anybody. This is not just a call to faith. So, yes, if you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray that prayer that God will be the Lord of your life, that he is your Savior. But this is for anybody. This is for anybody. Let's just have eyes closed in this place. There's no judgment. This is activation time. This is activation time. God's not messing around. You know what he's doing all over New England right now. I believe this day will be marked by awakening and spiritual revival. God, I just thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that the time is now. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Hey, every person that's now at the altar before, if you just look out, stay where you are, but look out. And I want you to think about your homes. If you guys could turn around, just look out. If you could turn around, look out. Think about about your homes. Think about your business. Think about your school. in the power of Jesus. God, I pray in a fresh way you'd fill everybody with the Holy Spirit and God, that you would send them out as your missionaries. God, this this is an activation Sunday. This is a commissioning service. We thank you for the global missionaries, but we praise you for the local missionaries. God, we declare right now I encourage you, declare over Medford God's story. Say this with me. This is God's story, God's glory. Lord, we just declare that over Medford. What you're doing is your story. It's for your glory. We thank you that the gates of hell don't move, but we break through them in the victory in name of Jesus. Medford, greater Boston, and New England will never be the same again. It's a new day. It's a new season. May you go out in the power of Jesus, in his authority, and in his victory, and may we see revival, always remembering that we are revived first to see it in the name of Jesus. Okay, can we give Jesus a hand? Amen.
0: Listen, we're going to sing, and we're going to continue the spirit of prayer, just declaring that God, God, this God that saves, that Stephen so clearly just helped us understand how powerful he is to work in us, to change us. We're going to sing of how great he is. And listen, there's, what we heard today, it starts with me, and it's for everyone. And I just keep praying that. You heard in the vision Sunday sermon. If you missed that or if you forget what I said, like go back and listen to the vision sermon. Like what was said today is the vision, the heartbeat of our church. It's not for a few people. God is not messing around. God wants every single one of us to step into the life of Christ. And so let's move out. Let's move out to be filled with him every day on our knees, in the book, loving one another, loving the people around us, that we might overflow with Jesus, that we might be revived to see revival in this church and in this city. There's no stopping. There's there's no telling what God could do. There's just a handful of people that are fully committed to him. So let's be that church. Church, let's be that church. In Jesus' name must be that church.